Okay, let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Today we're going to talk about God our provider. God our provider. And here in Genesis 22, in this chapter, uh, we're all familiar with this story. God gives Abraham some instructions concerning sacrificing his only son, Isaac. And this was all part of God entering into a blood covenant with Abraham. Uh, this blood covenant was necessary uh, because Adam's sin had cut off the relationship between God and man and cut off God's ability to bless mankind. Now, you know, for centuries, we've known about, you know, we've preached and we've heard uh, and been taught how Adam's sin uh, and, and treason against God cut off his spiritual uh, relationship with God. He was cut off spiritually from God. He died spiritually. Um, and then, ultimately, he died physically. But one aspect of this uh, transgression that has never been preached, really, but is a reality, is Adam also lost his supply chain from God. His provision from God was also cut off. His financial provision, his material provision, uh, all that was cut off from God. God could no longer provide for Adam physically, you know, materially, financially. Uh, from this point on, um, you know, God said to Adam, now you've got to toil. You've got to work by the sweat of your brow to get your provision. And, you know, in Genesis it talks about the thorns and thistles, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, he now had to deal with all this abundance, uh, you know, uh, was no longer provided for him. Uh, we see they even turned to trying to make their own clothing. You know, they, they took these fig leaves and they tried to sew them together to make their own clothes because they didn't require that previously, you know. But once this, they spiritually died and this curse came on the earth, Satan introduced this curse and he perverted all the good that God had created and now he was using it to work against man for man's destruction uh, now they even turned to having to provide their own clothes. And they got these fig leaves and tried to sew them together to make themselves some clothes. Now don't you know when God came and saw them with these uh, fig leaves that they had tried to put together for clothes, you sh I'm sure he had a laugh, you know, <laughs> and thought, what on earth is that, you know, that you've come up with? But this is 
one aspect of this uh, that had never been preached is that his financial and material provision was also cut off and God could no longer provide for Adam. Now, so God had to have a way to get back legally into the earth so that he could uh, intervene and bless man because that was his will all along was to bless mankind and somehow he's got to get a legal right to operate in the earth again. And this blood covenant with Abraham enabled him to do that. It gave God the legal right through a man on this earth who would obey him, believe him, let God be his God, and it would give God the right to continue to bless man uh, and fulfill his original intentions. Uh, because Abraham obeyed God's instructions and was willing to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God, then it put God in a position 4,000 years later uh, that God would be bound by his word and his covenant with Abraham to offer his only son, Jesus, for us because they had this unbreakable bond. It was like a contractual partnership. That's really what a, a covenant is. Verse 3 says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took toe of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Uh, the Bible says that the reason God chose Abram or Abraham to be the father of our faith and the race of people that would produce the Messiah Jesus is because that he was a man who would teach and train his children um, and his household in the word of God and in the ways of God. Uh, so the Bible says God chose him because he, he was a man that would teach and train his children. So God expected this to be passed on to future generations. We don't know if Abram was the first man God ever approached with this proposition and said, you know, if you'll let me be your God, I'll bless you. I'll provide for you, you know. Uh, all I have is yours. And Abram said, sounds like a good deal to me because he was worshiping the moon god to begin with and the moon god sure wasn't doing anything for him, you know. So we don't know if Abram was the first man God ever approached or not. We just know that he's, he's the one who said, yeah, I'll, I'll go into this uh, uh, arrangement with you. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll, you can be my god uh, and, and you can bless me. One thing that stands out in the life of Abraham, especially right here in this particular uh, chapter, once God told him uh, to go up and offer his son Isaac, he acted on it immediately. He acted on it immediately. He didn't play around with it for weeks. He didn't say, well, I'll pray about it, you know, and... And, uh, you know, he didn't consult other people about it. He just did it. Um, because I think we'll get to it here in a minute, but it says uh, somewhere in here that the next morning, the next morning, 
he left to go act uh, on these instructions. Uh, and it settled, he saddled his donkey and got ready for the journey. So he didn't play around with this for weeks. He acted on it immediately, the next day. So when the Word of God has already said something, when God's already said something in His written Word to us, we don't need to pray about it. Amen? <laughs> you know, if we have Scripture for it, we don't need to pray about it. If it's something, you know, uh, that we don't have specific Scripture for, the Lord's leading us to do something or go somewhere, then, you know, yeah, we need to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. But um, if we have God's Word for it, uh, we don't need to pray about it. It says in verse 2, take now. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Praise God. And he did. <laughs> Amen. Verse 4, then on the third day, uh, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder in worship and come again to you. Now, this is faith talk. This is the way faith talks. He said to the, the servants who were with him, we're going up the mountain, we're going to worship God, and we will be back. He didn't say, I've got to go sacrifice my son and I'll be back. Poor me, you know. He said, we will be back. This is walking by faith and not by sight. This is calling things that are not as though they were. Uh, Abraham is counting on sacrificing this boy, offering him up as a burnt offering to God, uh, but yet he tells the servants at the bottom of the mountain, the boy and I will be back. Now, uh, hold your place there and turn over to Hebrews 11. <coughs> Hebrews 11, 19 uh, refers back to this uh, passage in Genesis. Hebrews eleven nineteen says, well, 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he, he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So uh, Abraham, Abraham was willing to go all the way through with this. He was willing to go down to the wire. And he believed that if God had to raise up that boy out of ashes, as far as he was concerned, he would do it because he had a promise from God that that boy was going to be the seed to a mighty nation the nation of Israel, and he, he had God's word for it. He had it in a blood covenant. And so in, in, a, in a, a way, he did receive him back from the dead. 
for all practical purposes, he did receive Isaac back from the dead because he was willing, he was willing to go all the way through with this. Um, so praise God. And you can see how this is symbolic of God offering up Jesus for us and then raising him from the dead. So it's, it's a, this is a type and shadow, Old Testament type, of Jesus being offered up for us and raised from the dead. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now we've talked about, you know, the faith of Abraham, but I think I mentioned a while back, what about the faith of Isaac? <laughs> I mean, you've got to have some faith to climb up on this altar and let your daddy tie you up on this wood pillar and the wood stacked under it, and then he pulls a knife out, you know? You better know he heard from God, you know? So Isaac had some faith as well. <laughs> so um, verse 8, so Isaac says, We got the fire, we got the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went both of them together. Everybody say, God will provide. Now, this is a great statement of faith that we need to say often. Uh, when we take steps to believe God for something or we step out to do something, we, you know, we say, well, uh, we've got this together and we've got this together. We, you know, we've got the blueprints, we've got the architect, but where's the money? You know? Isaac said, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? In our day, we would say, okay, where's the money? You know, we got, we got this and we got this. We got our instructions, but where's the money? You know, the need we have may be people or equipment or cash. So when, when you have the thought, where is it, what's the answer? God will provide. Amen. Amen. Now that's faith. That's faith. So don't just say God is able. Uh, it's true he's able, but it, it doesn't really take a lot of faith to say God is able. Uh, but it takes some faith to say God will provide. That requires faith on our part. Let's say out loud, God will provide for me. God will provide for me. Amen. That takes faith. Now, notice also when Abraham said, my son, God will provide, he didn't say, but God, you're going to have to show me how you're going to do it. You know? He said, God will provide. I believe God will provide, but you got to show me where this is coming from. You know, this is not even the season for rams. You know, why? You know, 
maybe it wasn't even the season or the location for rams, you know, like, you know, in the natural. Um, but he wasn't thinking that way. And Isaac didn't say, yeah, I know we'll, God will provide, but. Yeah, Isaac didn't. When, God, when Abraham said God will provide, Isaac never opened his mouth. He never said, but what about this? But what about that? Uh, he didn't say God will provide, but I just can't figure out how he's going to do it. No, Abraham never said that. Faith doesn't have all the answers. Faith just obeys. And faith believes and speaks. Amen? So Abraham didn't have all the answers when he went up there. Amen? But he had faith. And just because, uh, you know, people have faith to get born again doesn't mean they have faith for healing. And just because they have faith for healing doesn't mean they have faith for provision or they have faith for protection or in other areas of their life. So people can be, you know, Christians can be strong in one area but have no faith maybe in another area or have weak faith in another area. So this is why we have, this is why we, you know, we teach faith and we teach about kind of all, applying it to all, all the different areas of our lives because we want to develop strong faith in every area of life. Let's say this again. God is my provider. I'm not the provider. Amen. So uh, there are people who believe that Jesus lived and died on the cross and even believe he was raised from the dead, but they're lost. You know, there are people that, yeah, I, I believe in God. You know, I, I've heard about Jesus, but they're not saved, you know. So just because, uh, you know, because they haven't received Jesus personally, so it has to be personal. People have to receive Jesus as my Savior, my healer, my provider. You know, it's, it's not enough just to say, yeah, I believe Jesus died and I, yeah, I know he went to the cross and all that, but that doesn't mean he's their Savior. So it has to be personal. But as for me and my house, God provides for me, amen? That's our confession. As for me and my house, God provides for me. So Abraham said God will provide, and he believed it by faith. Verse 9, and they, came, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham fully intended to go through with this. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So God 
Did God keep his word and provide? <laughs> yep. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So God did provide. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, uh, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So God is empowering Abraham to prosper. He promises to bless, multiply, and increase his covenant man. And then when he says, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This is also prophetic of Jesus. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. We know Galatians 3.29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God has empowered us to prosper by giving Jesus. Now, Abraham called this place Jehovah Jireh. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. Now this is the English pronunciation of that name. I'm not quite sure about the Hebrew pronunciation, but this is the English pronunciation of it. And Jehovah means the self-existent one. The self-existent one. God is not depending on anyone else for his existence. Jehovah Jireh in the Hebrew concordance means the one who sees to it. The one who sees to it. You know, we, we say Jehovah Jireh means, you know, uh, God will provide, but it also means the God who sees. The God who sees ahead and provides. That's really a more detailed uh, interpretation. Now verse 14 in my Bible at the center reference says, the Lord will see or provide, the meaning of Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see or provide. So he not only provides, he sees ahead in the future, at whatever your need is going to be, he's already seen it in advance, and he's already provided for it. That's really what it means. Now, the word provide is a form of the word provision, which is a compound word, and the word pro means before, and vision we know 
is seeing. So provision seeing before or before seeing. Did God know before Abraham and Isaac got to that mountain? Did he know they were going to need a ram? Yep. The God who sees ahead and knows what's going to come up, he knows what you're going to need and sets in motion to meet you when you get there. He's our provider. Now, where was that ram 24 hours before Abraham and Isaac got up to that mountain? On the mountain it was on the way. Yeah, on the wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was on the way somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It was on the way. So, hallelujah. There will never be a need in your life that takes God by surprise. <laughs> he sees before, and He already knew about it before you even got there. So when you find out you need X amount of money, that's not when God found out about it. No. <laughs> when you found out about it is not when God found out about it. That's just when you found out about it. Uh, God sees ahead and He's our provider. Now, you know, some people might say, well, but I've made a lot of mistakes and I've messed up and that's why I'm in this situation to begin with. But God even saw that before we were even born. We've all made mistakes. We've all missed it. We've all blown it at times. But that's why Jesus came. God saw that before. Amen? He saw all this before. That's why he sent Jesus. So we, keep, we get to keep batting till we win. Amen? This is not like cricket and when you're out, you're out or whatever. We get to keep batting till we uh, get the runs, till we win. Amen? So God sees beforehand and he knows what's coming up. So everybody say Jehovah Jireh. The God who sees before and knows what's coming up. Amen. Now the word uh, prepare in the Hebrew means to set up, to establish, to appoint, to order, or to make provision. To set up, to establish, to appoint, order, or make provision. In the Greek, it means to put or to keep ready. To put or to keep ready. So God is not leaving things to chance. He's made ready, furnished, appointed, put in order in advance what we need. Amen? Amen. Now let's turn to uh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup is half empty. Is that what it says? Overflows. No? Half full? No, Fill to the brim. <laughs> no. Close. Runs over. Amen. Yeah. Runneth over. My cup runneth over. Everybody say, My cup runneth over. That's a good confession just to have. I sometimes just I'm just walking down the street and I just say, My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. Just as it comes to you. That's a good confession. Do you think God knows when the cup is full? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So why doesn't he stop when it's full? <laughs> why does he just keep pouring? You know, if he knows when the, when the glass is full, why does he just keep pouring and it goes out on the table and it spills out on the floor? Yeah, he's, he's got, got more. He's not silly. He's doing it for a purpose. He's got he's more. He's carrying on. He's got more. <laughs> yes. When you've got as much as God has, it doesn't matter, does it? Oh. He just got more. You've got something to give then as well. Mm. The more he pours to you, then you've got something to give to others. Yeah, yeah. Well, the and there's no, there's no shortage. Yeah. In the Hebrew, runneth over means satisfaction runneth over and wealthy. Praise God. That's, that's in the strongest. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm glad you looked that up. Praise God. That's good. Amen. Because, yeah, God never runs out. So why should it matter to Him if, if, if it's running over? Amen. But that's His nature. He's a too much God running over. Amen. And like Frank said, you know, if it's running over with us, now we got ac access to bless others with. Amen. Oh, can I just say something connected to what you just said, but is it all right for me? Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, if it's just brief, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was at Quinsroad Church and we were having a sundo, big do for a new pastor or something. And the milk downstairs where we were crazy run out. We went to the all the shops that were still open late. And we got the last pint of milk, and that last pint of milk never left out. There was enough for the people upstairs, and enough for us to have a cup of tea and more afterwards. Yeah. Praise God! And that was just a bottle of milk. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He's a too much God. So this uh, idea, this man-made idea about uh, the Earth's resources are running out and there's just not enough to sustain mankind, that's a load of hogwash. That's a load of hogwash. Uh, you know, do people actually think Jehovah, the self-existent one, did not know, uh, you know, how many resources it was going to take uh, to sustain billions of people for X numbers of years? 
I mean, the God who knows how many hairs are on your head didn't know how many resources it was going to take to sustain people for all this time. Of course he knew. Amen? Amen? Do you know how much Mount Everest weighs? No, no but God knows. Do you know how many liters of water in the Atlantic Ocean? No, but God knows. Amen? He created it. So God's not worried about running out. Amen? He knows how to get it to us. He has contacts and resources. And this is one reason why sometimes God has, has to sometimes go to the same people over and over to get them to meet somebody else's need because he's already dealt with several other people and they're not listening or they're not cooperating. So when God sees, I got this person over here standing in faith and I'm dealing with several people over here and they're not listening, he knows he's got some go-to people that all he has to do is say, I want you to do this for me and they'll say, fine and they'll do it. So God has go-to people, amen? He has resources and contacts. Hallelujah. Psalm 68.10, we won't turn there, but you can write it down. Psalm 68.10 in the uh, Common English Bible says, In your goodness, God, you provided for the poor. It's a little bit, there's several other verses that, that kind of bring that into context. Psalm 132.15, the Good News translation says, I will richly provide Zion with all she needs. Amen? Amen? Talking about provision for the people of God. I will richly provide Zion with all she needs. Now, let's turn to John 14. John 14. <clears throat> what was the verse in that previous one? Uh, Psalm 68.10 and Psalm 132.15. Mm -hmm. John 14. So when you're confessing in faith God will provide, things are working. Amen. Things are working behind the scenes. You may not can see it with your natural eye, but it works for those that believe it. Amen? Yes. Uh, now, also an important part of this God providing for us uh, also is connected with us being on the pathway that He's called us to be on and us being where He's planted us and where He's told us to be and doing what He's told us to do. Because as long as we're on that path, that pathway in His will, uh, and on that pathway that He uh, has for us, and as long as we're obedient to that, we will intersect that provision. We'll intersect that provision uh, that He has for us. But sometimes people uh, up and leave. The, the place God's planted them, the place God's called them to be, 
And as soon as they move off that pathway, they miss the provision that God would have otherwise had for them. So it's important that we stay on the, you know, on the pathway and where God's planted us uh, in, in order to intersect this provision he has for us. Uh, verse 1 says, Try not to let your heart be troubled. Is that what it says? Try not to let your heart be troubled? No. <laughs> let not your heart be troubled. The Good News Translation says, Do not be worried and upset. The Phillips translation says, you must not let yourselves be distressed. The Amplified Bible says, do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, cowardly. Is it okay to be distressed, upset, and worried about bills and provision in general? That's not what he's told us to do here, is it? We're supposed to not let our heart be troubled. We're supposed to not let our heart be troubled. <coughs> we have control over it. We can stand up and we can speak to that fear. We can speak, you know, to that worry. We can resist it. We can refuse it. And we can say, God has been good to me. He's come for through for me too many times for me to doubt him now and I refuse to yield to this fear and worry. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what we do. We resist. We resist these thoughts. Amen? We begin to say, God will provide for me. Why should I be upset and worried if God is really taking care of this? If, if he already knew about it in advance and he's planned and arranged everything in advance, then it's not necessary for me to fret about it when he's already got it figured out. Amen? That's happening a lot. Yeah, well, it, hap yeah, it happens to everybody. Amen? The offering, you know, money I got. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Praise when God. When I first moved into Shelford, I was also, I've got enough money, especially when I'm retired. And uh, carry on, carry on. But it took no notice, it just led me on. I thought, now I've got the money when I want it. Praise God. So it's in advance. You provide it. In, yeah, you, yeah, in that, advance. Yeah. In advance. Yeah. yeah, amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, are many bed sets. Mansions. <laughs> Is that what it says? <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> mansions. In my father's house are many mansions. Castles and palaces. <laughs> now, now, uh, in the natural, from a real estate point of view, a mansion has to have at least 7,000 square feet of floor space to be classified as a mansion. But um, in the Greek, the word here translated mansion is the word mone, and it means a staying, a residence, or abode. 
And the Darby <coughs> translation of the Bible actually uses that word. It says, in my father's house are many abodes. It's also where we get the English word manor or manor house, the principal house of a landed estate. Uh, when I think of, well, I guess it's, Blenheim Palace is more than a manor house, I guess, isn't it? But it's a, that's an, really an estate. But, but any, you know, any kind of manor house, you know, there are lots of beautiful manor houses out here in the country. That's where it comes from. And it implies a permanent staying or residence. A permanent staying or residence. Um, then he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. <clears throat> so if Jesus says he's going to prepare, uh, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If he said they're there, then they're there. You know, he said if they weren't there, I'd tell you they weren't there. But he says they're there. You can take my word for it. I go to prepare a place for you. The voice translation says, I am going to make arrangements for your arrival. I'm going, what's he doing? He's in advance, he's already in advance, isn't he? He's already out ahead of us making provision for the future. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you to make arrangements for your arrival. Well, if he's doing it, if he's, if he's doing it now for heaven, then he's doing it now for, he's certainly got now taken care of, doesn't he? If he's already working on the future, he's certainly got now taken care of. God knows the end from the beginning, and he is always prepared. So we'll never catch God off guard and trying to catch up. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So when the Lord prepares, no detail is missed, nothing's left out, no corners cut. Amen? Like Greg said, no corners cut on this lectern. Amen? Uh, that's what you call preparation <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So verse 3, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now twice in two sentences here, he uses the word, uh, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Two times in two sentences, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now this word place is the same place uh, same Greek word used over in Ephesians 4.27, I think, where it says, Give no place to the devil. Same word. Uh, it's the Greek word T-O-P-O-S. And it's where we get the, you know, these, uh, the word topographical map, which is a detailed uh, outline of uh, buildings and towns and uh, natural resources and places. It's, it's a, a, 
representation of the physical features of a particular area or territory or a region. Now over in Ephesians 4.27 when it talks about a place or a, uh, where it says give Satan no place, it's the place he's looking for is our mind. That's the region he operates in and that's the region he's he's looking to get into. So that's where we give the devil no place in our mind. But um, here, when Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, this word topos, and the word for uh, mansions, which is in Greek, is pronounced monet, these two words give us uh, uh, a glimpse of the scope and detail of the place that he's preparing for us. It could be a region or a tract of land or an estate. So when he says, in my father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, uh, you know, we think you know, in my mind, I've just kind of always thought about this row of uh, this street or avenue with these big mansions and white columns in front of them. You know, whatever your idea of a, like a Beverly Hills mansion, you know, you think of a, a street of houses like that. But these, this gives us a different picture that this is not confined to just a house. Uh, this could be a, va a valley. You could have a whole valley. Your place could be a whole valley, a whole estate, a whole tract of land, a whole region. So it gives us a lot more insight into this word mansion. So it's not just limited to the concept of a street with big white mansions, uh, you know, and columns on the front. And it's not like, uh, you know, you drive by these new housing estates and every house looks just the same, you know. They've all basically got the same floor plan and they look like they all came out of the same cookie cutter. That's not what this word's uh, portraying. Uh, I believe every individual abode of, of every individual will be custom made just for us. If you like ranch-style house, then I believe he's preparing a ranch-style house for you. Amen? If you like medieval castle, I think it will be a medieval castle for you. If you like Swiss chalet, I think that's what he's preparing for you. Because down to the very last detail. Amen? Uh, I heard this uh, story related about um, a doctor who uh, was in this accident and uh, had like a head injury and they took him to the hospital and he died, but they got him back. And after, later, after he was able to talk, he related to them this story. You know, and we hear a lot of these, uh, you know, stories related about people who left their body and went to heaven and so forth. And some of them 
You know, we just don't know. So you just have to be led about some of them, you know, could be true, but others we don't know. So you just have to be led according to these stories. And we don't build our doctrines and our lives on them. But uh, his, his encounter was he, he went to heaven, he saw the Lord, and he took him to this valley, a whole region, and he said, this is your abode. And it wasn't just a house, you know. Uh, he said it was an entire valley. Uh, and he said, this is your abode that I've prepared for you. So that, you know, that kind of uh, corresponds to the Greek meaning of this word matching. Amen? So, or, or abode. So, uh, and he said everything he saw was exactly what he likes. He said every, every, when, uh, this region that, that the Lord showed him, and he said, this is yours, he said everything down to the last detail was everything that he liked, you know. So I do believe that, that uh, you know, we're going to have our own custom-built place. But that, in heaven, is just a continuation of what he's already begun to do down here. Amen? Because he's got an abode and a place for us down here too. Amen? And he, he has already seen in advance. And he's provided for every day and every year of our existence. Every year for us personally, every year for our family, every year for our business, every year for ministry. He's already seen in advance. He's already determined where the money's coming from. He's got it all figured out. And he's worked it all out in detail for us in advance. Amen? So our part is to believe, keep saying, speaking, believing. Call him our provider and stay on the path that he has ordained for us. Amen? Stay on that pathway in obedience. So let's say this out loud. I'm not the provider. God is my provider. The God who sees ahead. He's the God who sees to it. My provision is on the way. The right place at the right time. He doesn't leave anything to chance. And my cup runs over. Amen.